to Punchborn Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 79, the Punchboarders talk about some recent plays, we dive into the mailbag for a question, and we do a draft with a very special guest. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. Nah, I'm Richie. All right, you guys ready? Let's let's get it going. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm pumped. That's the best hype band. Hey. It's like a, I want to see Clef out on the... On, on on like 72nd Street with a spinning punchboard paradise sign. No. <laughs> Woo, I mean, in college, there was one guy. He had a little cigar. I don't know if you ever. He had a little cigar. He'd be on like 72nd Street sometimes, and at the like a Mega Savers. Yeah, he was the best. I would Why? drive by because he he was the best spinner. He was oh. the best. <laughs> he had the best. He was the best at spinning the sign. He had wow. the cigar. Wow. He was he was hyped up. Yeah. I, I usually don't. I mean. I usually go for the tube, the tube sock man. That's no. that's more. Knox loves the tube sock. Yeah, man. He, I mean, he gets excited when he sees like it. ten, yeah, the, the, the ten foot high with the arms going around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. flailing all over the place. Yeah. yeah, what do you even call that thing? I don't know. Tube sock wiggly man. I don't know. Yeah. Wiggly man. That's yeah. what we need. If, if we ever have a board game convention, that's I want that right out front. Right out front with yeah. punchboard paradise. Yeah. just flailing in the yeah. wind. Oh, I love it. And then I you with it. the spinning sign. Yeah. What. Well, no, I'm gonna be playing board games. I'm not spinning no dang sign. You with a will play board games for food. Sign. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're back to normal here. Everything's good. Yeah, we're all as normal as it gets, I suppose. Rocking and rolling. Well, thanks everybody for uh, hanging in there with us. Hey, you know what? I listened to like half the episode. You did? <laughs> Just I'm to, you weren't you weren't sure if you made it through. <laughs> I was like, did I really record? I don't really remember. So I thought, yeah, I went back and listened to it. No, yeah. I that's, I think that's the first. I needed yeah, to go take probably. I needed to go take notes on how to play High Frontier. From oh your, yeah. Yeah. So that was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Good old Eklund. Oh boy. So oh. so Chad, what do you, you got? Another Eklund game for us this week, or not quite? Oh. Uh, I did. Uh, I did go through a uh, solo play of Pax Viking, yeah. and uh, yeah. so yeah, and uh, so I'll probably talk cards. more about that. Yeah, with the round cards that everybody's throwing Ooh. a fit about. Uh, well, they're throwing a fit. I like those. Oh, I, I, here's the thing: people are really upset about it. But honestly, there's so much like, iconography and so much text that if they made them those small, like uh, Seven Wonders dual cards, yeah, a I think the text would be too small. B, those things sit out on the board and the board looks relatively bland without the artwork, you know, on it too. Mm -hmm. So I think they serve a dual function. I guess, you know, if you're really worried about somebody spilling, because it's not like, I guess you do hold some of them, but it's So not, the sleevers are upset about yes, it. Yes, yes. Ah, yeah, okay. Really, really upset. I so. thought maybe somebody was worried that they were going to think it was a coaster and they were going to put their drink on top of it and that would win the card. You know? Oh, get your beer off my toilet. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I can see the sleevers being a little bit upset about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, but games are me. meant to be played. That's I will right. say Sometimes it's a, it's a nice up. production, though. It's a nice production. I, you showed oh, us. It was show very nice. It looks yeah. beautiful. And, and I'm excited it, to play it. It's a very clean uh, rule book, too, because it, 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 it is very slimmed down packs. I mean, there's a lot of packs ishness cut out, but 
and this is supposed to be like the gateway yeah, to and tax, it, right? And it is, it is, it is. Okay. Actually, uh, you know, a person that I really like to to read, if you if you don't want to wait to listen to me, Space Biff, who Dan Thoreau, who writes um, who writes board game criticism and is really, really, really good. He just came out with an article on it um, just recently. And so I would highly encourage you to look at that. He he likes it as a gateway. He does not, he doesn't like, I think some of the edges sanded down. I mean, if you're a big PAX player and you already sure. know how to play, you know, but, but this is sort of, I think it's almost like a, the way he described it kind of reminded me the way I talk about 18 Chesapeake in some ways. Uh, okay. meaning you know sort of a, a little bit friendlier yeah. rules jump in and easy to get into the system that yeah. way yeah. yeah after you showed me the other night i w- it looked so good i just went and i ordered it so <laughs> that's all it takes <laughs> whatever did yeah. you really yeah <laughs> that's funny then the other day those I round just, cards got you yeah <laughs> i really did like the round cards i was I, I, I actually think, yeah. Richie, I actually think you will like this game because the rules overhead is not so much that you can't enjoy what you're doing. And mm-hmm. there's there's attacking and stuff like that, but it, it's just not so convoluted as some of the other stuff. Like, and I'm always interested in the PAX games, but I always have to find like a rewritten rule book that's just dumbed down and mm. streamlined. Culture, and Yeah. 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 Oh, right. I think yeah. it's either that or you just find somebody who really likes the game yes. to teach it to you yeah. well. Yeah. And that's Which is not you know, easy. Yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> either, so. I get it. I get it. So I will make sure, like, if we do ever play Pax Renaissance, because I got that too, if we do ever play it, I will make sure that I have my teach down well before I even put it in front right. of you. I think that's the one I've that's played. One, yeah. I've played it like Clef three times that. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, Jake I know has played yeah, quite a bit. Uh, yeah, Jake somewhat understands the rules. Uh, it's one of those that you almost have to reread the rule book if you haven't played it in a while. Right, right. So much, uh, you know, the basics of it I get. It's those paths that you have to, you know, where you're trying with the coins and stuff that's yep. just just weird you know mm-hmm. it's just like uh you just wish that was a little bit more streamlined in that sense because i think the card play and then obviously picking up a card that you know that you're winning you know type of thing because there's the different winning conditions uh, that part was really cool and you will <laughs> find a lot of that in pax viking meaning the market uh the market is not as easily manipulated as some of the other pax games mm-hmm. obviously you know how you can mess with it and cards coming out and stuff like that but uh but Again, the card play is there, and the different win conditions are there. So okay, okay. so there. Yeah. I think we went off on a tangent. I don't we think did. That's did. What, what did you play? That, yeah, what did you play? Yeah. <laughs> what did you actually play, Jay? Uh, I actually played um, Unforgiven, the Lincoln Assassination Trial, uh, which is by Tom Butler and Green Feet Games. This game is a strictly two-player game, and it has been compared quite a bit, and fairly, I should say, to Seven Wonders Duel. Basically, it is a card drafting and dice drafting game as well, where you are going to play over three ages or three years, maybe, and you are trying to win one of three ways. Firstly, the person at the end of the third age would have the most trial points if it comes down to it, or one of the attorneys or prosecution or the defense because you're you're basically doing a, a trial as i said which i'll talk about in a second or the prosecution or the defense can sway three jurors to their side or you can have the scales come all the way to either the guilty or the innocent side of the reasonable doubt track which you may already start to sense or remember the similarities in this game for, to seven wonders duel so 
as I stated, you either play prosecution or defense. And the defense side of things is for Mary Surratt. It was her in that the conspirators decided to meet up to assassinate Lincoln. So, of course, everybody knows of John Wilkes Booth, but there are other conspirators that were supposedly there that night. And the government is bringing her to trial to see if she was culpable in the plot, basically. So, again, you are playing over three rounds, trying to see one of those win conditions. You are drafting cards that get you little symbols. You will sometimes be drafting dice that also have those symbols on the cards. And you are trying to sway jurors to your side with sway, which are basically the resource in this game that is equal to money in Seven Wonders Duel. So those slide back and forth, and the cards get you certain powers, of course. And you may use the die that you draft at the beginning of each round or gain from other areas. How is this like Seven Wonders Duel? It is very much a drafting game. The cards are laid out just like they are in Seven Wonders Duel in that fancy pyramid. The only difference is it's laid out in the same shape through all three ages. And cards are alternating laid face up and face down. You cannot take a card that is face down until it has been completely uncovered from the other cards that are over the top of it. And it is very much a push and pull tug back and forth Uh, In this drafting game, and you are trying to watch what your opponent is doing and stop them. Uh, You may try to go inroads onto two of those win conditions and snatch victory at the very last second. You may come down to the trial points in the end, but it is very much a a tug of war game. I think that it has it's it's a nice version of Seven Wonders Duel. Basically, I think that. What is missing is when you move on the military track, for instance, in Seven Wonders Duel, when you move what are the scales on the Reasonable Doubt track, Mm -hmm. you are not taking things. You are not taking people's money. You are not breaking their things. You are not doing those things, basically. And in this, instead, you get to get die if you move so far, which those die are different resources, and that's for you. You also get to get other jurors if you move so far down the track as well, Mm -hmm. and you get access to them. I would say this feels like almost how most people know that that Rado really hated Seven Wonders Duel, right? Because he didn't like that it was so attacky and in-your-face against the other player. This almost feels like a game that was made for Rado because you get things instead of take things if you're if you're moving back mm, and forth. Okay. It feels very much like that. For me, I really I enjoyed the game, but I have to step back and think, do I need it? just as much as I need Seven Wonders Duel. When I want to play that kind of a game, am I going to want to play this? Now, it is rife with great history in it. And I did receive the kind of the Kickstarter blinged out version. I've got really nice fat dice. I've got the nice scales. I've got the wood sway tokens, which are sort of like scale tokens made of wood. It's a very nice production. And then the cards are really beautiful and they, they have a lot of historical text on them. Very interesting. Like if this is something... This is a time period and a subject that you're interested in. Maybe you should look into this because that theme comes through very well in the game. Clef, you play this game, right? I did get one play in of it. Very, as you said, it has some similarities between from Seven Wonders, a duel, where you do have the, you know, the uh, card display. And when you take cards off, you know, other cards will flip up. So it has that same aspect, which was interesting. The dice is where I say I have the problem with the game. Okay. 
I never felt because like you could pay Sway to like get dice further down the track or whatever. Right. And Sway was way too important for other stuff for me to ever waste putting Sway out on the track to get anything because most of the time they're just the basic symbols anyway. So I, I mean, I guess I never had a point where maybe a wild popped up like further down the track or something, but I just felt like it was always just grab the first die there. And then the objection can be a very swingy thing. Mm, yes. If you get up to three dice and somebody goes to do something, because not only do you get to stop them, you get to take whatever action they were doing. You know, like if they were taking a card, you get the card after they paid for it. And you get to move one of the jurors closer to you. So if you play this game, be very, very, you know, uh, knowledgeable about that objection thing because it can really come back to bite you. So, so be careful of that. Overall, I would say this is a good game. I like what he was trying to do. I love the theme. You know, I mean, the theme is is very cool. And I, you know, I love uh, all American type of history. And so this is was very interesting. And the cards, like you said, have a lot of cool historical data on them. Uh, but I'm going to say the game, I don't think it's going to replace Seven Wonders Duel for me. Seven Wonders Duel, I've played, you know, 20 times probably. You know, I think it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a great two-player interaction game. I don't know if I'm all of a sudden now going to say, you know what, I'm going to put Seven Wonders Duel on the table and I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to put it on the shelf and I'm going to put this on the table. If, Chad, if you said to me right now, hey, I'd really like to play this, you know, next time if me and you were together and just playing a two-player, I wouldn't turn the game down. But I don't think I'm ready to say, oh, hey, I really want to play Link and this is an amazing game type of thing. Yeah, I think that's that's the way it is for me. I would bring this game out if I knew somebody had a real big interest in the subject matter. The the other thing, though, that's interesting, and you did bring it up. I, I had forgotten to talk about it. The objection is important, but also instead of the objection, you can use those three dice to take an extra turn. And I found that in this game, that could be really, really important because you're moving on the track with different stuff. And that is where you could really take stuff away from people where you would move something and then get to take another turn and move it a second time. And now it's yours or, you know, uh, now the card that they thought they were going to get, maybe it's yours. So that can be big if you time it right too. And your and your opponent isn't paying attention. Yeah, very true. I'd still say this is worth uh, definitely trying out, you know, yeah. and see, because mm. as you said, if maybe if Seven Wonders Duel is a little too mean for you, I think that this would be a little, you know, on the lighter side. I love the theme. Uh, you lost me when you said it's the nice version of Seven Wonder Duels, because I think Seven Wonder Duel base is the nice version. And then like the Senator expansion, the Agora, the, the Agora, Agora expansion yeah. is the mean version. But, you know, yeah. each his own. Well, that is Unforgiven, the Lincoln assassination trial from Tom Butler. Clef, what have you been playing? Well, I, uh, I've i gotten in a couple of plays here over the past couple of weeks of one of the coin games, uh, A Distant Plane. Um, so this one is based in Afghanistan, and it's kind of the, well, uh, kind of the past 20 years of Afghanistan. Mm. Uh, and the four factions that are in it are, well, there's the Taliban, and then there's what's called the Warlords, and then there's the the Afghan government, and then there's the coalition, which, you know, in all terms is basically the U.S. aid and, and help there in Afghanistan. Absolutely very smooth is what I would call this one. Definitely. It has, uh, you know, there's, there's no, not to say that, I mean, the other ones with the battle systems, you know, they're, they're not good. But, you know, this one, you don't have to worry. There's no battle. There's no, it's just 
straight, you just, okay, if I'm going to do something, I'll just attack and kill it or whatever the case is. So it just really ran really smooth in the two plays that I, that I've gotten in of, of this one. Um, it's also very interesting, you know, that, you know, all the cards are like more pictures of the actual events and stuff mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, uh, drawings or whatever, like in the older games. So that's, it, it looks really cool. I mean, uh, I didn't know, even since I've lived through this, you know, a lot of the history of this, I didn't necessarily know everything about it. So it's, it's been really good to see some of this history, but as far as if I was to say to you, Hey, what is a good coin game to start at? I would say a distant plane is a very good one to start at just simply because of how kind of smooth and simple everything kind of runs. And it's just really, I don't want to say basic. I don't ever want to use the word basic with a coin game, but as far as a coin games goes, it doesn't have any of the, uh, that to me, that extra fluff. Now, the Mm. one thing that's a little bit different is the, the Afghan government and the uh, coalition are kind of working together, obviously. So they share resources. So that's a little bit of a different, you know, so uh, maybe if you're going to start a coin game, maybe Anding Abyss or Cuba Libre would be better because those are, you don't even have those necessarily in those games. But um, so that's a little bit of a difference where you're trying to, you know, so you could basically use up all of the other person's resources with them doing nothing. So, but obviously you're not going to win if you kind of try to screw each other over at that moment. But at the same time, it works, uh, it works well for a three player game. Because yes, because you, you have you can have the that one person can play those two. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, I suppose that is true. I still wouldn't want to do it myself. But no, it's still it, a lot in a coin game. But it is I difficult can see it working if you really know the game well. But yeah. that's how that's how I played this game. I played online with Joe and uh, with Jake, uh-huh. and and uh, we played three player. And I did play the Afghan government and the coalition. That's oh, right. you played those two together. Yeah. Okay. But Ooh. it is hard still because what I had to manage was two different win conditions at the right. same time anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though the resources were the same. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's still difficult for sure. No, Dan yeah. definitely had a trouble with it. Uh, yeah. H- handing uh, you the win. Well, okay. So, I mean, let's just say that, uh, you know, Dan and I were playing together and, you know, things were going well. Mm-hmm. I was supporting him. I mean, I wasn't giving him any troops, but, you know, no, I was making him all. do all the dirty work. You weren't, getting him, uh, you weren't giving him any troops. You weren't putting out bases, which oh, is whoa, what whoa. he needed to move he around. He wanted bases, and I put bases out. I just happened to put it all around. In one spot. Cobble. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't put him much else. And But yet he still supported you. Yes. Wholeheartedly. And uh, there happened. So it was at one point in the game, and uh, I had told Dan, yeah, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this on my next turn. You know, it was me and him both back-to-back ne- back next turn. And all of a sudden the uh, propaganda card came up and we were doing that. It wasn't an instant propaganda. We were doing, you know, that it waited the turn or whatever to go in. So of course, all of a sudden I just stabbed Dan in the back and I just pulled my stuff all back. And I, and I have, I was three away from my win condition and I just, I won the game. So, uh, you know, that was part of why I enjoyed it as much as I did. But, um, but in all, I mean, it, it, you know, all coin games, I've every coin game I've played, is absolutely been spectacular. You know, Pendragon has obviously been the roughest of them. Yeah. And so he sent me a text saying, hey, do you want to play uh, some games uh, Saturday <laughs> night? This was on Saturday. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. I, I, can, I think I can get away. And then I show up and Pendragon's on the table. <laughs> I was like, you said games, plural. <laughs> Pendragon took us two days last time we did it. Ten hours total and we had to do it over two days. 
So uh, and then when Dan came over, he's like, "What is this? Why is Pendragon, why is Pendragon on the table?" <laughs> so we he knew just, it was gonna be there. <laughs> we shoved that in the box and we moved on. Uh, well, got to get it in one of these days again. Speaking of yeah. enjoyment, I mean, yeah. how did you enjoy your fifteenth play of Root? How was that, Clef? <laughs> uh, same as all the rest. It, it's just not a the, game I enjoy. He's gonna act like he's gonna act like he didn't like it. One, yeah. it was uh, myself, Jake, Dan, and Clef. Yeah. Uh-huh. So me and Dan love Root. Yeah. Neither one of us suggested it. I, Dan really didn't even want to play Root. This is not true. Jake was indifferent. He didn't care what was put on the table. Clef is the one who said, hey, how about we play Root? Those words came out exactly, quote, no. No. How about we play Root? No, this is not true. I just want to say, I feel like I can't really trust Clef's reviews anymore, actually. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. Can, can I Can I have a rebuttal here? Yeah, sure. Okay. That is not what I said. What I okay? Here's what happened. That was we word got for word done, for what yeah, he I said. believe. No, you. it is not. It is not. I, I may have left off the last part of it, but that was word for word what he said. Okay, I'm going to explain here. Okay, we got done kind of early with distant playing. You know, it was one that was the second propaganda card. Okay, so it ended a little early. Dan wanted to play another coin game, either Annie Abyss or something. And Richie had this this glaze in his eyes, and he's like, uh, no, I'm not playing another coin game tonight, all right? So then we start going through every Euro possible. And it was one of those things where either Jake didn't know how to play it, or Richie didn't know how to play it, or Dan didn't, or didn't you know, whatever, or Dan just didn't want to play in a Euro, for that matter. It didn't yeah. really matter. And we didn't want to really do a teaching game, okay? So then a couple of weeks ago, I really wanted to play Clinic, all right? And everybody was like, oh, I don't really want to play clinic. And I said to Dan, I go, if you play clinic with me, I will owe you a game of root. Because if we remember, Dan's favorite game is root. All right. He loves to play it. We play a lot together. So obviously that means, you know, I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm going to suffer and play root. So what <laughs> I sometimes. said was, hey, let's just play root because I knew everybody else would enjoy it. And I was like, fine, I'll, I'll do it. And I said, and Dan, I owe you from the clinic game. So that's what I said. That's hey, let's play I, I Root. I owe you but here's from the, the clinic game. If you hated Root so much, why would you offer that up right. as the, the right. payback? You could have said, hey, Dan, I'll buy you a beef pizza. And he right. would have been all over that. Right. No, I don't think so. No, <laughs> I and I know Richie loves it. I'm a giver. <laughs> I'm a giver. Yeah, Chad, after if I you put Stevenson's me, rocket on the table for a second time on my birthday, no, no. he'll never offer yeah. you Stevenson rocket as no. payback for something on my birthday. Even Chad, right so, now, I'm saying right now, I will play another game of Stevenson's rocket with you right now because you love it so much. I'm a giver. <laughs> I will play another one of those. All I'll right, play. Chad, you got to hold it. I already them. told you that words I, are cheap. You there's another 18xx. If you want me to try one, I will try a different 18xx. I've already said that. Yes, I may. Maybe Root's not as bad as I used to say it was. <laughs> he just needs it's 12 still plays not of game, my very, It's still not my favorite. But, hey, I like to make people happy. And you know what? For me, the environment and hanging out with people is mm-hmm. 75% of my enjoyment and fun hey, anyways. He's still in denial. Is so, the thing. That's all right. You'll come around. That's fine. And you'll, <sighs> you will eventually, the words out of your mouth will be... Root is a five. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to happen. Uh, <laughs> Never going to happen. Just, just tell us what you've been playing. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if I please. want to. <laughs> yeah, please tell us what you've been playing, Richie. Well, 
I got in uh, a few games of Marvel United. Oh, okay. Well, Which, that's not you. Don't own it, do you? Or is it yours? Uh, no, the, the Suckies brought it over. Okay, okay. Uh, they well, they backed friends, the Kickstarter yeah. and they got in all of the Kickstarter goods. So they they brought over a few mm-hmm. and they <laughs> and they are minis gamers. So this seems like yes. like and a, they love they yeah. love Marvel. And they sent me a message and they said, you know, what are your fav- favorite Marvel characters? You and Jessica, what are your favorite Marvel characters? <laughs> they don't know you at all. <laughs> yeah. What kind of friends are these? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I think I said Star Lord and something else. I do like Guardians of the Galaxy. He I said did Star Wars. One. I bet you, you yeah. said Star Wars. <laughs> he was like, like Darth Vader like and that teddy bear thing. <laughs> but I did say, I was like, I'll be honest with you. I don't think Jessica has ever seen a superhero movie period wow uh but this is and you're you're about to check out here clef uh this is a co-op game oh <laughs> wow we're making fun of me for root okay now you might okay. actually because this game only takes about 15 minutes honestly so okay, yeah okay, that's the is, best kind of co-op is game this i think this is was this one tom vassal's been really raving about yes, here lately? yeah he's just okay. been, it's so been all over the channel yeah he's definitely been a big fan of this one okay continue i'm i'm, in, I'm intrigued here richie the way that it works is that you put out these six random locations and you're going to pick a villain and like i said they got the the kickstarter which came i think they ended up with at least a, they went all in so i think they had at least 100 minis holy in between wow. all the villains they got all the heroes they got a lot of Lot, a lot of stuff. They didn't even bring it all over. That's why they texted us ahead of time to see what we liked. That didn't wow. really help them. But so you put out six random locations. You pick a villain. You all pick a superhero, and you'll get your own deck for that superhero. And I think it's a, I want to say it's a fifteen to twenty card deck around there. And the whole goal of the game is to defeat the villain uh, and complete missions. So they have these three missions that come out on the board. Uh, one is to save civilians, one is to save thugs, and one is to uh, remove threats from the board. And each location has a little threat down at the bottom, and they're either another villain or there's some type of uh, there's some type of hindrance to you and the other heroes that you have to remove it from the board, and then it will actually turn into a benefit, and all of them will turn into some type of benefit if you remove that threat from the board. Every villain works differently. They have some type of plot that they're trying to finish, which if they finish that, you lose the game. Uh, another way you can lose the game is that if anyone is completely out of cards in their hand and their deck, you lose the game. And the last way that you can lose is that if the villain needs to draw from their deck and there's none left, you lose the game. Uh, so the way that it works is that on your turn, you'll start with three cards in your hand. You'll draw a card at the beginning of your turn, and then you're going to play your card. So the cards, the way that they work is that they'll have a picture of your hero on them. Some of them have these special effects texts that are, those are the more powerful cards. And then at the very bottom, they'll have icons. Uh, there's four different icons that you can possibly see at the bottom. There's the attack icon, which is just a little fist. Uh, there's the move icon, which is a green arrow. Uh, they have a heroic icon, which is a star, and then a wild icon, which can be any of those other three. So you'll play it down to what they call the, the storyline. And so whoever the first hero is, they'll play down their card. And then they'll get their special effects, whatever that they'll say, and then they'll, they'll do the icons in whatever order they want. So you can move around to the different locations. You can defeat the thugs or the civilians, which will go up to the mission cards. And you're trying to get nine civilians saved or nine thugs defeated or remove four threats from the board. And then after that, uh, the next hero will go and they'll play their card. And not only will they get their, their bottom icons, but they'll also get the previous hero's bottom icons. So you're trying to kind of work together to try to set each other up so that you can get around the board and get done what you need to get done. 
Now, like I said, some of them have the special effects, and a lot of those special effects cards, which are super powerful, they don't have any icons at the bottom. And you don't get the special effect if you are playing... If you're playing your own card, you're not going to get a previous hero special effects. You only get the icons that are at the bottom. So you'll do that, and then at the end of the... The first three heroes turns, then the the villain will go. And you'll flip over their card, and they'll do something terrible that will mess you up. They'll be dropping uh, these different uh, these different tokens around the board that kind of screw you up. Like I said, it, it depends on the villain that you pick, but they're all different, uh, and there's a lot of them. So, Who'd you fight? Uh, we we played a few games. Like I said, the the game is quick. It's like 15, 20 minutes, like all of our games. Uh, but we played uh, Red Skull, Killmonger, as one, and then. I, I don't know either thing that you just said, so I, I really don't know what I'm saying either. But and, and the vulture, okay, I'm over Spider Man. Is that a yeah, Spider Man yeah, villain? Yeah. I had never heard of him before this. Yep. So yeah, those were the three that I think we did. We may have done one more. Don't remember. Uh, so yeah, then the villain would go, and and it just keeps going that way. And as you complete missions, so once you save, let's say you save nine civilians, that mission comes off the board, and now the villain will go every two turns. And then if you complete the second mission. Now the villain will go uh, every other turn. But you have to complete two missions in order to even damage the main villain. So all this time as you're, you're going around, you're, you're just trying to get these missions done, but you can't actually deal damage to the villain, which is what you need to do to win the game. Uh, so yeah, you got to get those two missions done, but now it's getting harder because he's going so frequently that you know it, it's getting harder, getting tighter to get those things done. Uh, and that's really it. That's the game. And I would honestly say, after playing it, this is something that like I'm ex- I would play with Knox when he's old enough because I think he would be really into the the character. It's actually a, it's a decent game. It's just it's so fast, so light that like I I personally don't need to own it. Um, but like I said. When Knox is old enough, when Isla is old enough, they, I think they would love this. And it would play quickly, keep their attention, and you know they can mess around with the different superheroes. So, like I said, if you, it's a good family weight co-op game. Uh, if you're looking for those, just, just a little on the light side. Here's my question. How exactly are Knox or Isla ever going to know anything about superheroes when you and Jessica know nothing about superheroes? I told you, I'm going through them. I'm I'm trying to get. Oh, you're starting to the watch the movies. I I'm going through them. So because he honestly, okay. it's about every other day he'll ask me a question about a superhero, and I was like, look, buddy, I don't watch these movies. <laughs> I don't know. I so I'm I'm. He's okay. gonna not think you're very smart. Uh, yeah, he already thinks that. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Some good games we all got in. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, what happens if you need a place to hold the bits in your game? What happens with that? Hey, why don't I tell you? Hey, Punch Bunch. Are you tired of having all your resources and chits all over the table? Well, do I have a solution for you? Magnetic hex trays from 3D Bitspace. They will keep your table organized and be a huge space saver. So head on over to 3dbitspace at etsy.com and order yours today. And if you mention Punchboard Paradise, you're going to get a free hex tray. All right, so well, let's dip into that mailbag. Richie, what do you got for us? Well, I got a uh, question from our sponsor, actually, Ryan Brockman. Yeah, all right. Uh, so he wants to know what is the lowest, and this is your ranking, the lowest ranked game in your collection that you keep and the reason cannot be because of your significant other or because you're keeping it because of a particular family member or anything right, like that. Right. Your reason on why you keep it. Oh, 
It's a good question. Mm. That is. Wow. Chad, what do you say? Well, see, if it wasn't family member, I could easily say Munchkin, but it, it, that, <laughs> that, that's, that can't, that yeah, that can't be chosen. I guess I would have to say Betrayal at House on the Hill. Uh, that's, Ugh. yeah, it's, I have it because I, I think that someday, like Finn really likes story games he he will uh-huh. sit still if there's a story being told and that game has that he doesn't really like spooky too spooky kind of scares him off so i'm waiting for a little bit you know but i think that he would still like that game and he he definitely likes like bluffing and betrayal type games you know he he likes that kind of stuff so i've just held on to it because it seems like more trouble than it's worth to get rid of it and that someday he might enjoy a play or two of it that's that's really the only reason what do you got richie uh mine is francis drake it is a game that i have significantly cooled on uh jessica never liked it uh you guys have cooled on it uh but it was my first like big box expensive game that i bought i ordered it directly from eagle griffin cost me like 100 bucks at the time and the production is so beautiful and i i still in the back of my mind i think i'm gonna pull it down and and just set it up one day and make someone play it but yeah it's more the the nostalgia of the that was kind of like my first big box eagle griffin game more than anything i can see that yeah i still have that game too actually. oh do you yeah, yeah. i i mean I'm more excited to play that than I am Betrayal at House on the Hill, though. So oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably why. But but it's very samey is, a, is the, kind of the main issue with it. And even with that little expansion, the two little expansions they released, it right. doesn't change much. But okay, I got those, but I never implemented them. Yeah, so. it, I mean, it just doesn't. It makes you want to go out further faster, but I mean, it's still the there's not much variance in those tiles. I liked that game. I just, I don't know. I just think there's better implementations of that. Right. So, yeah. you, so now I, I kind of do this, you know, I, I have Glenn Moore at home. I have the original Glenn Moore. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I was thinking of, of getting that out. And then I was kind of like, really like the best tension on that track type of thing is, and, and I do have mixed feelings about the game, but is heaven and ale. Like so far of any game I've played where it's like, go along the path, you can go further. You know, the best game that has that tension where I just agonize over it to me, to me personally is heaven and ale. So, and, and that's my, out of me. that's yeah. my favorite part of Francis Drake, yep. you know? Right. That, yeah, that is, that's the best part of the game yeah. for right. sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right, Clef. Well, I had a little bit of thoughts. There was a couple games that I'm like, eh, you know, that one's pretty low, but, and I don't think I'll ever play it again. So, but when I really came down to it, this was actually a pretty easy choice for me and that is going to be star trek Catan. i'm never gonna play that game again ever okay it's not hitting the table but i'm not getting rid of that game (laughs) there's no way it's so cool it looks awesome obviously i'm a big star trek fan i've always you know of, of at least old star trek i i really love it and that game is Really cool, and as far as Catan goes, I feel like it's one of the better versions of it because you have a little bit of, uh, you get those player powers with the different, uh, you know, with Kirk and Spock and Bones and stuff, and so they do different things, and so you're not so, like, screwed if you're not getting great dice rolls. So as far as Catan, it's good, and I've enjoyed it over time, 
but I don't think it's ever going to come back to the table. And it's probably one of the lowest of my games that I have, but yep. It's just, I don't care. I'm just not getting rid of it. It is just a game that is going to stay in my collection, you know, forever. I have, I have it still. And uh, it got played actually last year, I think, because Finn and, and Steph really wanted to play it. So, hmm. and we actually had a decent time, you know, like, like you said, I think jockeying for the player powers is what's yeah. interesting. In that I, game. I would actually so. play it. Cause like when I got into the hobby, I mean, everyone was over Catan already. So I've only played Catan in real life, maybe like twice. So it, like, it's not like I've ever gotten worn out yeah. on Catan. Yeah. You might like it because you could like, you you would game the heck out of it and be like, hey, I will give you, come on, what are you doing over yeah, there? I, I will like give you so. two of these fuel cells. Yeah. Come on now. What do I have to throw that on yeah. the table? It does, it does have some fun negotiation in it, you know? Yeah. And I, I remember we used to do, uh, hey, if you give me a card now, my next roll, you get whatever I get. You know what right. I mean? Fun yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. You know, we used to do a lot of fun stuff with it, you know? So, yeah. And it's okay, Richie. At least you've played it. I mean, unlike Yahtzee for some people in this podcast. <laughs> hey, have um, you still not hey. played Yahtzee? No. Do you not have five dice at home <laughs> in a pad of paper? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't run home to get five dice just so I can play Yahtzee. That'd be uh, a, that's a perfect Finn game uh, and, and Steph game. They yeah. just had I the... They just did the letter Y for the Dice Towers, you know, alphabet mm. or whatever. And uh, the People's Choice number one was Yahtzee. And I was yeah. like, well, Chad I mean, didn't vote for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's influenced a lot of games. Well, hey, you know, actually, the, speaking of Catan, that just made me think of this. We never have done a, a draft of trading games. That might be an interesting one. Like oh, yeah. games where trading is a oh, okay. mechanism. I like that okay. idea. Yeah. yeah. Something to think about. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Ryan, for that question. We appreciate it. Uh, you know what else we appreciate? We appreciate Punch Bunch, all of yous. We appreciate you all. And we also appreciate our Patreon bunch. Thank you to our newest Patreon member, Jeff S., or otherwise known as our favorite expired rodent, Dead Squirrel. Jeff S., thank you so much for your contribution. Thank you to all who listen and boost our signal and give us ratings and retweet the episode. All of those things help us, even if you can't help on Patreon, which we totally understand. Of course, the other way that you can help us, and it may be the very, very last moment, we'll try to post a link in the show notes, but... You could help by voting for us for one of the top podcasts in the Golden Geek Award. It, voting should probably end today, the 21st, as this episode comes out, but we'd really appreciate it. Again, we know where our, as I, as I said in a, a post, we know where our ceiling is at. We know that probably the best, uh, the 10th best podcast of podcasts that have never won before is probably our ceiling, but that's Okay we'd be really obliged if you could help us with that. So if you listen to this podcast and you like it, please vote for us. Thank you so much. And coming up Whoa. next, because all our Patreon people have helped us out so much, we get to have a special guest that our recording equipment allowed us to do much easier and hopefully much more efficiently. Much easier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So, Gang, thank strap you, in. Thank you, thank you. All Hopefully right. you get to listen to this wonderful interview we got to have with Jess Cassidy. Well, Punch Bunch, we are so lucky today to have joining us Jess Cassidy, 
the uh, the inimitable Jess Cassidy. She <laughs> is with us today, and uh, she's going to hang out with us today and answer some questions and uh, play our draft game. But uh, yeah, she's here. She's done multiple Kickstarter games, uh, uh, multiple Kickstarter campaigns, game development, rulebook editing. She has been uh, featured on Heavy Cardboard and Girl Stampede as well, which we love. We want more of that, by the way, Jess. But yeah, Jess, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank yeah, you for having welcome, me. Welcome. I'm so excited to see you guys and yeah. talk to you. Before we get into it, when uh, you haven't done as many girl stampedes lately, are you, are you, is there a plan to get those back into the rotation? Those have been great. Yes. Season two will be starting up again and there will be a lot more coming from Girl Stampede. So I'm glad you're excited about that because I'm really excited about that too. Yeah, we're so thankful that uh, there's there's more voices uh, coming out that way in the industry. I love it. How How are you doing? I mean, how are things lately? Well, that is a really good question. I am super busy. Uh, things are definitely picking up in the industry. Obviously, we've had a really stressful year without conventions, without the normal modes of getting games to folks um, and selling directly uh, to people who want board games. So in the industry, it's really starting to pick back up. Kickstarter is starting to have tons of games on it again. And yeah, it, it's looking good, but super busy. Has, has that changed for you? Has this year changed you as a gamer in any way? Has it changed how you play or are you a solo gamer? I don't, I, I didn't know. I, so funny enough, I used to be, um, I definitely used to play a lot more Mansions of Madness. That was one of my big solos. Love that Ooh, one solo. Nice. Um, I had that set up always. I had this like attic room that I had that in, which was very thematic. It was great. <laughs> um, but I haven't, you would think I'd be playing more solo games this year, but no, what's happened to change me as a gamer is I've started to play more online games, which initially was like, what am I doing? I feel like I'm playing a game with chopsticks. This is so hard. But over the course of this year, getting used to it, and then it kind of opened up this opportunity, right? That all of these people that maybe I'm not in proximity to, now I get to game with. So it opened up a world of playing games with designers and, you know, used to be if somebody was going to pitch a game to me, it was either done at a convention or they were mailing it to me and I was playing it on my own or with, you know, the other members of the publishing company. But now I get to play it right with the designer and we don't have to worry about the stress of finding time to meet at a convention or people coming up and I love this, don't get me wrong, you know, people coming up to say hi or check in or, you know, ask questions about stuff um, while you're trying to take a picture of a game. So it's changed that. And I kind of like that. Yeah, we were just talking, uh, I think, last episode that it's been nice uh, to get to interact with people kind of across across the states and and basically across the world that we wouldn't normally get to. That's been one nice thing about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I mean, I think there's just a huge increase of people putting their games on TTS, Tabletopia, um, Board Game Arena because of this. So that's also, you know, I don't think it was as the breadth of options that we have now, which is great. Well, we talked a little bit about your Kickstarter campaigns that you've managed and the game development that you've done and even the rule book editing, which is another thing, which by the way, I just got my PAX Viking and PAX Renaissance. So I opened up that <laughs> PAX Viking rule book. It looked great. So kudos on that. But 
How, how how does a degree in English lit and psychology lend itself to work in the board gaming industry, would you say? Oh, this is so good. And as point of clarification, I didn't finish that degree because I'm very much a, a Oh, how do you say it? Is it dilettante or dilettante? I always pronounce it wrong. Uh, yeah, I'm, it's dilettante, I think. Dilettante, that's it. So I start things, I get super excited about them, um, and then I sometimes find other things to get super excited <laughs> about. So I never finish that dual degree that I went after someday. I'm so close to someday I'll have to go back and take those last few classes. But I did study psychology and um, English lit. And I think it's actually been really beneficial for working well in every career I've been in, but especially in the board game industry, because I mean, the psychology part just helps you understand what people might be looking for, understand how to market a game, you know, that just what's going to click with people and what might turn them off. Um, And so I think that has been very, very beneficial, but then even more so just working with people, meeting people and uh, thinking about how they may be feeling about certain, certain situations or things. I think a psych degree goes a long way, no matter what you do. But English Lit, I mean, like you said, editing rule books, being able to, I read really, really fast. That is very beneficial when you're trying to parse through what games maybe to pick up and you're doing like a publisher, um, you know, uh, designer speed dating or something and you want to run through things. And it saves me a lot of time doing that. But honestly, the English Lit's more my outlet, my hobby, because my work became was my hobby and became my work. So uh, that's more what I keep to the side for myself, I think. (laughs) That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, so you, I know you had uh, a dad who was an accountant and you designed a, uh, a somewhat mathy game with, uh, well, I I should say developed, right? With Scott Alms, you did uh, Lovelace and Babbage, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. I'm very strict about that. I was only a developer, totally his design, (laughs) you know, and it's really good to keep those, uh, those lines in check. But wait, I would like to know how you knew my dad was an accountant because I swore he made pencils for a living. That's what I thought my dad did. We'll see. Okay. Um, This is the insider information. No, I I did a little bit of research. Yeah. Tell that story. I thought he was a pencil maker because he would come home and this is so bad. I'm sorry. My, my father has passed away. I'm going to just apologize to him um, and look to heaven because the fact is he would come home with these number two pencils, right? The, what is it? Ticonderoga pencils, the case of like the whole package of them. And I was psyched new pencils. Great. Cause I like to write and stuff. And I thought he made pencils for a living. Little did I know he was an accountant. He was just stealing awful supplies. So, um, that, that was my. Well, that's a good way to save money on, uh, on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Order some more pencils. With so, the with yeah. that combination, would you say? I, I, and I know this is kind of a, a weird question, but would you do you feel like you're more aligned with the left brain side or the right brain side? Oh, I'm ridiculously logic based. Um, like I. I'm really good at compartmentalizing and I like to approach everything logically. I need a path. I need all of my synapses to fire correctly and meet an end. And I'm very goal oriented. So there's a lot of that, but then, I mean, I'm super empathetic, almost too empathetic 
in that like, I don't worry about me. If something happens, I'm only going to worry about the other people in the room or what they're doing. And uh, some people, well, I, my mother disliked this about me that like she'd get cut off in traffic and I'd be like, what if they're on the way to the hospital? <laughs> don't be mad. They could be in trouble. Like I'm that empathetic. I don't get mad at people. I assume that there's some reason or justification for things. So, um, yeah, so I'm a little bit of both, um, but I think the logic serves me better. Okay, well, this is a, a board game podcast, but because we stopped on it, and I know you read, give us <laughs> yes. what you're, if, if there's something that's not a rule book right now, give us something that you're reading, oh, yes. and then maybe a few, a couple of favorites. Oh, goodness. So Trigger Warning by Neil uh, Gaiman, I know, oh. is on my bedside table right now. Awesome. Um, I started rereading American Gods because I'm in the middle of that show, and I just love it. I, I think it's fantastic. So I picked that up again. Um, Dino Girl is my comic I'm reading right now. Um, Great. And yeah, that one's just so good. And what else am I reading? I do have something, it's something in regards to time traveling and I cannot remember the name of it, but I have like a time travel book that I'm also reading right now. So cool. I usually have a bunch um, that I'm reading or listening to. I like to have like one audiobook, one by my bedside table, one that I can bring with me and then a comic. I just, yeah, it's usually about four at a time. Nice. <laughs> nice. I see. I find that like I have, uh, I used to have a problem before Kindles and stuff like that, where I would just pack like five or six or seven books. Cause I didn't know what mood I was going to be in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. You should have seen me on vacation. Now it's all board games that I pack and bring on vacation. <laughs> right. And yep. I mean, if anybody wants to look far back in my Instagram, there's a picture, an entire large suitcase. You will see everything I brought on a trip to Florida and it was too much. I don't think I got through much of any of it, but I, <laughs> I just, just in case, like you said, yep. what mood you'd be in, but it used to be that I would bring stacks and stacks of books. Um, and those I usually would get through in a camping trip or whatever I was doing. And now it's just all electronic, right? Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, so back to board games, we talked about all your hats that you wear, right? And one of them mm -hmm. I know is a parent. So tell us, we, we talk about this all the time between ourselves of, you know, uh, playing with the kiddos and raising gamers and stuff like that. Do you have any yeah. do's, do's or don'ts or, or secrets of, of playing with your kids or raising gamers? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, tell them that gaming is terrible and they shouldn't play. <laughs> um, 100%. Because that's also how I got them. My kids love vegetables, broccoli, carrots. It's ridiculous. If, if we come to your house for a party and you have a veggie tray out, you better make sure that you have two or three because my kids will annihilate it. They will just eat all the veggies. Oh. And much like gaming, that started because I was like, no, broccoli is for mama. You don't get to eat broccoli. That's my food. And amazingly, again, this comes back to that psychology, right? Wow, I'm using reverse psychology on them. Yeah. It works so well. It's incredible. that Now they're just like, oh, there's broccoli? Can we have that? Like, the, yeah, they're obsessed with, with vegetables because they it was a, a thing that they weren't. It was my food. So same with gaming. I never ever forced them to game. I just gamed. And they'd see me playing solo games. As I said, I did that a lot, probably four or five years ago. Um, and for years before that, they would just see me sitting down at the table playing a solo game, trying to learn it. I find solo gaming is a great way to learn a game before I teach it 
um, to others and share it with friends or other people. So that's what I used to do. They would just see it and it would kind of be this thing mom did. So it made them then be like, wait, we could do this. I could play this with you. Like we could play, can we get a game? And so then they wanted to get these games and they wanted to play. And my biggest don't would be don't let them learn that they can gang up on you. (laughs) <laughs> and eliminate you from the game because I had a great run. My kids um, are 13, 11, 9, and 7 now. And up until mm, a year and a half ago, they didn't realize that. So we'd play games and I would win and then they would just play for a second and that was fine with them. So I, and I don't take it easy to them. I never, ever let them win. That's a, I don't want them to have a false victory. Nobody likes that. Sure. Um, yeah. So I always would play with them. I would win and then they'd be like, okay. Mom's out. Let's play for a second. And they had no problem with that. But one day I sat down to teach my then 12 year old PAX Premier 2E. So this is all Cole's fault. I will point out. <laughs> There's lots of things um, that trace back to being Cole's fault in my right. opinion. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Cole, Cole's responsible for a lot. So sat down, taught her the game. Now, mind you, it took me to my fourth play of PAX Premier I mean, I'd played first edition too, but like of PAX Premier at all, it took my probably my fourth play to really get what was happening in this game and how I needed to switch sides and when that was beneficial and mm-hmm. how to bid up, build up to be maneuverable, right? And right. Right. be able to change things, what have you. It took me a while. First play, first teach, I will give myself kudos because I clearly taught her well, um, <laughs> annihilated me. I would joke with Cole that like, oh, why do you make it go up so high? You know, the track around and then goes to like 25 or 23 or something. And I was mm-hmm. like, why do you make it? Because it's never going to be that high. She got almost to the end. She wow. killed Whoa. me. That is wow. impressive. Killed me. And I'm good at this game. I'm like, <laughs> but what she did is, you know, her siblings were playing too. And she rallied them against me and everything I did, every mood I made, spies on my cards, killing everything I put out. I was just annihilated by her and she didn't even win. It wasn't her score. It was actually um, the two youngest were playing together as a team and she helped them win. She didn't care about <laughs> she ah, destroy as long as she you just didn't was win. like, yeah. we're taking mom out. Let's do this. Nice. And I was like, what is happening? So that was the shift. That's when (laughs) it happened that like I was no longer um, in charge of that. So we talked about, you know, how much you you've done a lot of different things within the industry. But what one thing that sometimes we talk about here and that I'm curious if you have any input on is, you know, what do you think of sort of the state of actual board game criticism right now, uh, where Mm. it's at, where it where it's headed? You know, do you do you find it to be a valuable thing? And if it if it is valuable, what does valuable board game criticism look like? Oh, this is such a good question. Um, we just had a great discussion about this uh, on a Gamma. The Gamma Trade Show was virtual, of course, this year. just happened a couple weeks ago. And a few of us, T. Cares from Hobby Games, sure. uh, Ross Thompson from uh, the OP, uh, USopoly, and uh, Danny Lowe from Pandasaurus. We were on a panel discussing this. And... I gave my thoughts there. What it was is there's good and bad. And for me, as a marketing person, I sincerely and truly want reviewers to be critical of my games. I want them to give an honest review of my games. 
I don't want them to feel that they're omnipotent and that they absolutely get to make the decision for others about whether it is a good or bad game, though. I don't think that that is what criticism should be. Um, What I look for in content creators is folks that will consider every aspect of the game and then let people know their own biases. So, for example, I do not like deck builders. I know this about myself. I keep trying because maybe there'll be some switch that flips and I finally like deck builders, but I just don't like deck builders. It's not a mechanism that speaks to me in any way. So if I'm going to review a game that's a deck builder, it doesn't mean that I won't review it. I don't think that you should just stay away from mechanisms that you don't like. But if you're going to review that, it'd be really important for me to point out, I intrinsically don't like this mechanism. So Here's the other things about the game that I'd like to talk about that I do like or don't like. And then keep in mind, I don't like deck builders. So that part wasn't enjoyable to me. Um, And that's a really, you know, kind of hyperbolic example. But my point is, even if it's just a small thing that you don't like about a game, that does not mean that everyone else is not going to like this in a game. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the responsibility of folks that are doing a critique on anything that they, like I said, first and foremost, state their own biases in regards to, you know, whatever it is. And then be honest that they can't possibly know that this doesn't resonate with anyone. So, I like to review games and I like others that review games in such a way that they're saying, these are the pros and cons for me. And honestly, flip that around. If you like deck builders, then this may be a game you love. So being that kind of honest and transparent is what I think criticism in the board game hobby should be. I think we have a lot of content creators that do do that, but I do avoid listening, consuming, and uh, even sending games that I work on to folks that are going to consider their opinion the only possible opinion. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's totally reasonable. You would think. Yes, I but know. There's we, dumpsters and there's sledgehammers. And yeah. I'm like what? And roofs and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, one thing because I get to write the questions on this, so I am I am lucky. So the one question I really want to know, uh, because you have a lot of uh, accomplished train gamers in some of your game groups, and oh, I, I want to know. Uh, uh, of course, there are a lot of games you like, but I want to just say flatly, what is the base? What is the best eighteen XX game? Whatever one's on the table. <laughs> right. um, yeah, no, there's for me, uh, and I'm I love that you asked the question this way because for me, I play with some. There, yes, I understand that it's Eric Brocious and Joe Rashanan and that these folks and Yarun uh, Dolman. I understand that these are famous train gamers and publishers and gamers uh, as it is. But to me, they're my friends, and these are the most wonderful people uh, to play with. I am so so lucky to know them and to play games with them, and every game that I have played with them has been phenomenal because they are willing 
they're willing to just try things, right? And for me, 18xx is a very different genre of gaming because it's not about winning. It's about seeing what happens when you build this route. It's seeing what happens when I intersect this other one. What if I get this, you know, card or bonus in the beginning? What if I don't take this other one? What if I buy the stock? So almost many games, and 18xx included, could be very much mathy. And you're just mathing out the win and figuring out the spreadsheet. Um, and Eric Brocious is also an accountant like my father. And, you know, he could just, you know, brain the game. Uh, to win, but he doesn't. He tries this other route and sees how best he can do that and what that performs against another route Um, because it's fun. And that's the enjoyable part, especially because these games are based in history and things that happened and you're talking about, you know, so they'll even bring in like thematic things like, well, this Baron actually did this route. So I'm going to try building this. And it's, an, it's incredible. It's just an amazing, amazing experience to do it that way. So for me, whatever 18xx we're playing, no, no problem. I'm up for it. That sounds great. I love that they bring in thematic elements. I, I mm-hmm. always enjoy that in a game. So um, I, do, are, do you find yourself more to enjoy the operational side or the financial side? Or, or again, it doesn't matter to you. Um, um, for the 18xx, yeah. r- really, it's a matter of, no, it's the creationist side. Okay. It's the idea of, if I take thing that, this thing that's going to let me build through the mountains, am I going to be able to use it? Is that risky? Is that going to be beneficial to me? Um, and taking risks. Uh, I've been told by other 18xxers I've played with that are really into the hobby, they'll be like, that's not the best route you can take. And I'm like, I know. Like that's not not the route I want to take. Um, So I feel like playing more to just what I want to do and what I want to see happen and what I want to see interact with other routes. And so I might do things just to end up having my route intersect with somebody else's just because I want to. And I want to see if maybe they do something for me and I do something for them, how that changes the game. Um, So it's definitely for me, I'm, it's an experiential game. And I truly believe that that's because that's how it was introduced to me. That's how, you know, these folks who are, they've had, oh gosh, thousands of plays of 18xx. That's how they play. And so that's how I was taught to play was to discover and learn. And it gives you these memories where I can say, oh, remember when I did the Mickey Mouse ears at the top and Dan got really, really mad? Ha <laughs> <Like>, ha. <laughs> that, that type of thing. And yeah, I would rather do it that way. So it is an operational game. It is something that people often call, you know, a board game spreadsheet. I get that, but it really, truly doesn't have to be. Okay. Well, uh, I'm I'm trying something here. We're I, I don't know. We're tr- I'm going to try to make it a thing. You're going to help me make it a thing. We're going to call it the Fast Five, and this is going to be yeah. This is going to be uh, it's sort of my version of of the Actor Studio without like the pretentious French <laughs> name uh, in it. So uh, awesome. so just give me your answers to these here. Um, it, it, you can elaborate if you want to, but we'll try to do them sort of rapid fire. All right, so I think I have an idea for this first one because we kind of talked about it, but what's the best way for you to learn a game? Play it. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, what is the maddest you've ever been in a game and then the proudest you've ever been with a win? Oh, that's the same game. 
Oh, wow. Um, I sat down to play a game at a convention and with three of my friends and two people I didn't know. And of the two people I didn't know, one guy said, well, I'm sure you want to play pink, right, honey? Oh, wow. My friends were like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, why, of course. <laughs> Played pink, destroyed him. Nice. <laughs> I didn't play for fun in that game. That yeah. was a math game. Um, absolutely destroyed him. And at the end, he was so upset that he said he wanted to recount the points. Oh, and my friends who were at the table were like, you can count all you want. Yeah. <laughs> she destroyed you. Not going to change anything. Oh, that's yep. awesome. I love nice. it. Okay, well, do you own uh, a sentimental game or or a sentimental gaming object that you kind of prize? So, so many. Um, so I own a in-shrink copy of Civilization. Um, Sid Meier's, it's unplayable. It's broken. It's a broken game. Um, mm. So there's no reason to own it other than... It was, it's a point in history, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, tech trees are, it, it's just an amazing, amazing game. And the history of that matters to me. So I have that version as well as then the version I play um, and the, you know, second version. So I keep multiple copies of games that mean something to me. I, uh, same for Acquire. I have multiple copies mm -hmm. of Acquire. Okay, so what's a game you love that surprises your friends or people who know you well? Mm, Cosmic Encounter. 100% oh, because of the games I play. Yes, you gotta come to Omaha. wouldn't think that would be, but oh. I have two copies of Cosmic Encounter, speak of sentimental, um, both with every single expansion. Um, and that's in case I ever need to like travel. I need to travel one or something happened yeah. to one. Yeah. I love cool. it. All right. Lastly, what is a game that you learn to love? Actually, there's a lot of those. You know, you can start with Gin Rummy. There are games, a game that I tend to end up loving is one that I hate at first. So, and my game group is luckily, they know me very, very well. And I'll sit down and I'll be grumble, grumble, grumbling. Like I'll never ruin a gaming experience, but they'll know that I'm kind of grumbling over in the corner. Like, rah, 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 I don't like this, this stupid blah. And then if that happens my first play, it generally means Jess needs to play again. And then I start to absolutely adore it because I like complicated games. I like things that I struggle with in learning something new. Yeah, there's a lot of those, but we can even go back to just playing Rummy. I was like, I hate this. This is stupid. Why would anyone? Oh, this is great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, is... Got, I got one to throw in. Just tell me why Nations is a better game than Through the Ages. Oh, so many reasons. Yeah, oh, so yes. many reasons, aren't there? So many reasons. Um, my favorite is the historical reason, which is Through the Ages, of course, came out first. And then the designer of Nations was trying to help him fix Through the Ages mm -hmm. because of the military fact that you have, don't ignore military, right? We all know this. Um, and so he was trying to fix that and help him balance it because once you know that that's the way you have to go to the win the game. It kind of ruins that experience. And so Nations was always the fix through the ages. And I think that that's the gauntlet thrown. I mean, it was, yeah. it was it's its successor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Jess, you are a perfect initiate for the Fast Five. Thank you for letting us ask questions. I have one more for you. Please mm. uh, plug your uh, your next projects, the big ones that you're working on. Right now, I'm working on One Card Wonder by Nat Levin, um, and that'll be coming from Ape Games, and that is hitting Kickstarter April 20th. I'm really excited about that. It is a 20-minute playtime game, super great from families, but also really thinky, um, so it gives enough for real, you know, 
heavy gamers or heavier gamers to want to play this maybe on a lunchtime or to start game day. So I'm really excited about this one. Fantastic. Nice. Thank you. Well, you stick around to draft with us here? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's draft. <laughs> We're going to draft multi-use cards. All right. Well, today we are drafting the best multi-use card games. Uh, if you are new to the podcast, Richie's going to explain how our draft works. Uh, so at Punchboard Paradise, we like unique lists. That's why we draft. That's going to be a serpentine draft, which all that means is if you draft last in the first round, you will draft first in the second round. Uh, we're not going to roll off since Jess is our guest. She's going to get to pick the draft order. Oh, the draft order? Well, yeah, you get first. to. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> and who do you want to go second? You can go second, and we'll go okay. around. All right. Okay. All right. I like that. Last okay, I'll okay. take the I'll take right. the the round. All right. All right. All right. All right. Jess, we'll start us off. What is your number one game of multi-use cards? Mm. Hmm. I well, there's two. All right. I'm gonna hope you don't pick the other one. Uh, this is the the thing that sucks about snake drafting, right? Like uh -huh. I have to think you about wait this. For a bit. And what are you gonna pick as we go through? Okay, glory to Rome. Oh, oh nice. Ooh. Man, you were smart to grab that one. <laughs> All, right. All right. So what do you like about Glory to Rome? I mean, it's so simple, right? And I love games that you you play it, and it's so easy. The rules are just, it's it's simple to teach. Um, this is what you do. This is how you, you know, grab different resources. This is how you really screw over your friends. <laughs> and it's, it's simple, but then as you're playing it, it's not, right? It's really tricky. There's a lot of strategic planning that you have to do and think about, and then the randomness of it. And it's just... It's awesome. And, you know, there's a little level, obviously, of, you know, people taking stuff from you and you're getting angry, which is why, you know, on heavy cardboard, glory to Rome means um, bleep. Right? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I love that part about it, too, because just having fun with your friends, even during frustration, it's uh, yeah, it's amazing. I love it. Great pick. Good pick. Yep. All right. Richie, what do you got? All right. Um. I'll be honest with you, this this pool of games was not as deep as I thought it was for me. Okay, all right. Uh, so I'm, I'm pulling a cleft here. I'm planning on losing this draft <laughs> real hard. Um, <laughs> Just because I've lost like the last six, all right? We don't have to go through that, all right. <laughs> uh, my first one I'm actually going to take, it's a small card game, and it's the Bloody Inn. Ooh, Ooh, nice choice. I forgot about that one. Yeah, and it's uh, a very macabre theme, but uh, you can use the cards as your are When they're in your hand, they're your... They're, the accomplices, uh, you can use them to kill people. You can use them to, to bury your guest. Uh, you can build them down to the table so that they're annexes where you can actually bury them. Uh, but yeah, it's just a fun little card game. Uh, the Bloody Inn, if you have not played it, I would suggest checking it out. It actually, uh, the only thing that I would warn you about as far as, uh, and this does not bother me, but it is a slower burn than you would think. Right. Like you're not going to go and kill 10 people like in a turn. You're going to kill like one or two maybe. Yep, and then you may be able to get one of those buried in the next round or something. Right. So you're only getting one or two actions a turn, but a fantastic game, and you can kind of screw over people by burying uh, your your dead bodies underneath their houses, which might put them in a bind. But uh, I like that interaction. So the bloody end for my first pick. Jess, have you played this? Have you buried? I have a, not, oh. but you had me at bury the dead bodies. <laughs> great. The great thing is you can bury dead bodies in other people's yards. So that's that's what. Fantastic. <laughs> there you go. 
Uh, <laughs> All right, Clef, how about you? Well, I'm going to try to win this draft, actually. All right, okay? all right. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> but I'm going to pick one of the best multi-use card games out there. Every card has four different things that you can use on it, and that is La Granja. Uh, just mm. absolutely one of so my big. favorites. You know, it uh, it's it's such a great game, and with all the other facets, but the cards are really what drives that game. And every mm. time you're you're looking at your hand, and you're like, okay, well, I really need that as a um, as a cart, you know, to fill up. But I also really want to use it as the power. You're just always making decisions in that game, and I just uh, absolutely love it. It's it's one of my favorites, and uh, yeah, Lagranha. That's a good pick. I, I think the cards are my favorite part of that as well. Okay, well, I guess I get to take two here. So let me see if I can be strategic. Um, you know what? The first one, I'm not going to think about it too hard. The first one I'm going to take is uh, Roll for the, or excuse me, Race for the Galaxy, Thomas mm. Lehman. Because it's just that the that game, uh, it's so, it's seminal for several reasons, but I really like the way it does multi-use cards. Now, the, there's a barrier with some of the, all the iconography and everything, but once once you play it, just there's tons of choices with, with each card draw. So I really dig that game. That okay. is a really good choice. And that's another one I hated the first time I played it. And yeah. then now I love it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. can see that with that game. Yeah. It the first yeah, time. With all those symbols it. and yeah. all yeah, it's just yep. all the different phases. Well, uh, let's see. So for my second game, my second game, I'm gonna take. I, I can't not. I can't not take a shot at game. I'm gonna take. You took Glory to Rome, which was at the top of my list. I'm gonna take mm-hmm. Matai and I. Which one? Matai and I. So I didn't okay, take the one right. you wanted. All right, right, that's fair. Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, uh, I I really I like Matai and I too because it does some of that stuff, but it's also snappier so when there is a crazy combo or a crazy thing that happens you just go okay let's go again let's go yeah you know that that's fair yeah good Mm -hmm. choice okay all right clef okay so for my second pick i'm gonna pick one of the best two-player games ever created that definitely uh you know you've got plenty of choices with the cards you're either going to use it for the value or you're going to play it for the event or Sometimes you're going to go up and try to do the space race so that you don't trigger your opponent's, you know, good ability on the card. And that's Twilight Struggle. Oh, so good. Honestly, uh, I thought you were going to take this first. Uh, did yeah, you? I was surprised yeah, you did. Yeah, I was surprised yeah. you didn't. Like I said, I've yeah, been doing so bad in the draft, I thought I'd pick LeGronha. Hopefully, you know, it'll be a good one for people. But, um, but no, but Twilight Struggle, uh, absolutely one of the best two-player games out there and just uh, once again one of those games when you're looking at your hand to begin the round off you know you're like okay well i know i want to play that event oh but that's you know that's got four points of you know that i could do that um oh i might want to do space race you know there's just so many options that you have and uh, just absolutely great great multi-use cards with that how so, are you all right so i'll pick all right over to you richie i'm gonna go with another small little card game and that is fleet Ooh. And I think this is still oh, my definitely. favorite yes. uh, pinchback and riddle game. Yeah. You're using those because you have a little option at the beginning, but you can use your, your hand of cards as either money to pay for the licenses that mm-hmm. are going to allow you to get out your boats, uh, which are also going to be the cards. But And then you can also use them as a captain your boats. So uh, you really got to figure out how to optimize that the best. Uh, which licenses to, to go after and how much to, you know to, to bid up. But it is a solid card game. It's an older one now, uh, especially in the board game world. But uh, it is a game that I'll play anytime, still have it in the collection, uh, and we need to bust it out more. I don't know, Clef, have you had I, a chance to play it? I've you played the dice game, but not yeah. the, the card game? Yeah, never played the card game. Okay, we'll so have, to, we'll have to change that. Absolutely. I think you would like that, actually. Okay. So good. That is such a good choice. And I have to say, 
I mean, Pinchback and Riddle. First of all, their last names together as co-designers is just so good. (laughs) Pinchback and Riddle. And they're just fabulous people. They're so nice. Um, Mm. So that always, now knowing so many people in the industry or meeting them at conventions, that matters to me as I'm playing. And yeah, those are some really, really genuine, awesome people. So yeah, Fleet is great. Good choice. Well, you get to pick two now coming around. I get to pick two? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep going. We're going oh, four. Goodness. We're doing four. We're doing four. Here, so. so yeah. Oh, I didn't know we were doing four. All right. Well, I know what my next one is, and then okay. we'll have to figure out another. Okay, I got it. Ginkopolis is yes. Mm, yeah. I was I was having <laughs> yeah. trouble between the two picking first, but Ginkopolis is definitely just an incredible multi-use uh, card game. And there's always debate over, you know, is that multi-use? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, clearly you have to decide, am I building up? Am I building out? Am I getting resources? Right. And, you know, if I'm building up, now I get to keep the card in my tableau and get other things based on what I use cards for in the future. And those resources are so hard to come by. Your tableau needs to be amazing, but you need points to win the game. There's so many choices, and I just absolutely love it. I love ginkgo trees now, totally because of ginkgo. <laughs> they they smell, I'm, though. They do smell. You have to admit No, that. only the females, which sounds terrible, but only the female <laughs> trees smell. The male trees are fine. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know this. Yes, you can plant all the male trees. And I know this because in Europe, there's a lot of ginkgo trees. Uh, I was in Germany, and they had ginkgo trees at a lot of the, like, historic sites, and they didn't smell. And this is how I learned. Yeah, you can plant. It's just the other. My Ooh, whole life you. is upside down. All my life, I've <laughs> only been around female ginkgo trees. I guess so. You have to do- wow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's see. A second one. Um, well, you know, we had Twilight Struggle mentioned here. Uh, and this is another one where people start to say, well, is that meant to use? But I believe it is uh, Churchill. Uh, same uh, thing. You're yeah, deciding down, how yeah. you're using those cards um, uh, in the game and what you're pushing. And you may really want to use that power at the bottom, but you really need to push the vote. Like you have to decide what you're, you're going to do um, in the conference as well. So these things matter. And yeah. That one oh, is great. Great pick. Great Love game. It. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to play that again when we get a chance. All right. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's you'll have to play with me sometime because Edward will, will not play the game anymore. What? what? And it's own. Yes. No. Oh, but because he won and he, won, he retired. Oh, right? oh. <laughs> he beat that. He retired right. because he and myself went down and visited Mark Herman, yep. um, who's just down at the Cape here in Massachusetts uh, for some of the year and played with him. And he won, which I told Mark if he kept helping Edward that he was going to win. And he said, (laughs) oh, no, it's going to be fine. And then Edward won. So it's all Mark's fault. Well, all right. right, We will play. We will happily play. (laughs) Good. Good. All right, Richard. All right. Uh, My third pick, I actually just played this weekend with my brother-in-law. And it is 51st State Master Set. And I was going in between this or Imperial Settlers. But I still prefer 51st State just because... The powers are can get a little unbalanced with Imperial Settlers. A little, <laughs> little, it crazy. Gets a little crazy. I guess yeah. Ignacy gets a little crazy with some of those powers. But 51st State, the cards, you know, you're going to build them down to your tableau. You either have actions or production, and you can make a deal with them and tuck them and for more resources. Just a ton of things you can do with the cards. And yeah, it's just a very much in your face card game. It is, it's not nice. You're going to be destroying other people's buildings and going after them. But that's the type of game I like. That's so. a Richie game. <laughs> Typical Richie game. All right. Yes. If he's uh, not burying dead people in your backyard, he's just going to destroy want to burn down your house. Yeah. All right. Good pick. It is good. All right. Well, I got a, I got a couple of 
capstone games here that are on my list. That are, there are mm. a couple of good ones. Okay. okay? Um, but I am, I'm going to pick um, um, Mr. Alexander Fister and Marikaibo. Okay. Because uh, yeah. certainly, uh, once again, it's one of those wonderful games where when you have your opening hand, you're looking at your hand and you're trying to decide, you know, do I want to, you know, put this person on my, you know, in my crew? Do I want to use this? Do I need whatever the good is? Or maybe I need whatever the object is, you know, so there's just multiple different things that obviously you're going to be using those cards for and trying to decide when, you know, what you want to build. So one of my favorites, uh, I still really enjoy this game a lot. And I think, uh, you know, it certainly fits that multi-use card, you know, that theme right there. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Capstone, Alexander Fister, Marikaiba. Well, Good now that it's up to me, I've got another Fister on my lister. Uh, it is <laughs> on your lister, huh? <laughs> Sorry, All right. Uh, anyway, oh my goods. Um, mm. I, I really like oh my goods. Uh, just the yeah. snappy little uh, engine builder with the multi-use cards and the just kind of the way he configured it is just so smart. Um, a little bit of push your luck there that he kind of incorporated from uh, from Port Royal design or iterated on there yeah. where you're just, you know, trying to see how much production you can get out of your chain yep. towards the end. Uh, yeah, so I, I just love, like I said, some of these kind of games that play snappy, but you have good choices when you draw that card. I really enjoy that. And uh, that's that's one at the top of my list. Yeah, if I had that on my list, I really thought I was going to like, uh, is it Expedition to Newdale? Is that the, oh, right, yeah. the board game version of it? Yeah. But uh, the card game is better. Yeah, you like that better. Yeah. I haven't played it. But. Just for the simpleness of it, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, kind of yeah, play yeah, it, yeah. but uh, yeah. Okay. And then my last one, I'm going to go with uh, a Jeff Engelstein game. I'm going to go with The Expanse, actually. And it kind of fits that sort of Twilight Struggle mode, uh, some of that area control. You know, whether you're playing a card for points or you're playing it, you know, for the action and what that does and stuff like that. Uh, it kind of reminds me, it's almost like that game kind of reminds me of if you jammed Tammany Hall and... Uh, and uh, Twilight struggle together, just the way that the mechanisms work. And I, oh, that's I just enjoy a good it. analogy. I never thought of that. Intimity Hall is so brutal. Yes, oh, it God. is. <laughs> I, we really like that one too. So yeah, that's 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 my pick, uh, The Expanse. All, All right, right, your last one, Clef, here we go. I think for the last one, I'm going to pick a What's Your Game, which I hope one day puts out new board games again. That would be uh, fantastic. They will. Okay. okay. Well, I hope so. We trust you. Uh, <laughs> uh, it used to be my favorite board game publishing, and then they stopped putting out games. So, But I'm going to go with Zan Go. Uh, so once again, you know, you're really trying to decide every time you're looking at a card, am I, do I want to use this to put into my tableau to, you know, bolster whatever it is, or... Do I need to use that as a card that will that I play because I might need a higher number because I'm trying to, you know, get all the bonuses off what's in my tableau already? Or maybe I need a low number. So you're always having those decisions of how do you want to use those cards in the certain situation. I like that pick. Uh, I, I had that on my list for a minute, and then I remembered my last score in that game, and I thought I didn't deserve to pick it. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. So that's uh, Zan Go from What's Your Game? Richie, what do you got for your last pick? All right, my last pick, this is this is what's going to sink me. Because uh, I'm going to get, I'll get Bryce's vote. Yeah, he will. It's a Feld. Oh, oh I know it. it. You know it? Whoa. Is it Bruges? No, oh. not, not Bruges. Oh, okay. um, uh, La Isla is a game that oh, I play yeah. with. Yeah, uh, Jessica and I play this quite a bit. Uh, and it is one of my favorite mechanisms in a Feld game is where you, you get the three cards and then they can either be used for a special power and you have to assign them all in that round. 
but one can be used as a special power. The other will give you a resource that you'll use to place your explorers on the board. And then the last one will move up one of the animal markers, which is the in-game trigger, but also part of your in-game scoring. Uh, but I just like that little, you know, you get the three cards and you got to figure out the best place to put them. It is a game that, you know, I know Bryce is probably, it's like a 10 probably for him <laughs> yes. just because it's a Feld game. But yep. <laughs> most other people, I don't know, it didn't go over that well, but it is a, a fun game. If you uh, ever give it a shot, yeah, I still I still keep that in the collection, and we like we yeah. like to play that game too. So it's not it doesn't get as much love, I think, sometimes, but it's no, it's a nice but it's little a good little family way game. Yep, absolutely. Okay, Jess, you've got to bring us you home. got your last one. Here Woo-hoo! it is. Well, my luck has held, and I get to pick a Steffenfeld. Um, so um, Bruges, Bruges, yes, okay, yeah, I really uh, enjoy that game. Seriously, that is just—it's a great game. Um, I was surprised. I was really nervous. I wasn't going to get to pick this at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've waited too long. Um, someone is totally going to pick this, but yeah, there's so many choices to be made. Um, what you're going to do in your city and how you're going to, you know, use influence or power or, or however you're going to play these. And yeah, it's a t- it's a tough little game, and I love it. And I just. Um, my coworker Mark Cook over at PSC Games was just saying today that he was in Bruges playing Bruges, drinking a Bruges <laughs> beer, like this wow. watching Bruges on TV, and it was like <laughs> epic. And he's done this six times in the last six years. Like he just does this as an wow. almost semi-annual nice. thing. I think one year he went twice in a year and skipped a year, but what have you? Nice. Six <laughs> times in six years he has done this. So it's you know. One of those epic games that creates fandom like that, I suppose. Nice. Kudos. All That's right. Awesome. Good last pick. All right. All right. Well, I think Solid everybody, list of games. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, let yeah. The, we'll let the guild decide, you know, how it shakes yeah. out. But I think we got some good lists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jess, thank you so much for playing with us. Do you mind uh, Do you mind telling everybody where where they can uh, reach you if they if they have sure. questions about your projects or just want to chat or I am so much so all over social media so in addition to being with Ape Games and PSC Games and Ion Games and Mighty Borns <laughs> uh, I you can also find me as Board Game Girl on Twitter and BGG and uh, Instagram of course and over on Facebook so contact me in all the ways the Twitter handle has a one in it so it's board game underscore girl one but the rest are all board game girl feel free to reach out and of course you can always catch me on heavy cardboard and as the host of girl stampede which will be returning for season two great we look forward to that fantastic thank you so much jess thank you guys it was great to see you again i've missed you it's been a long time yes too long hopefully we'll have some conventions soon I feel pretty good about that draft. I don't, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> and then, like, sometimes and you just got to say, I know. I'm, I'm going to throw this And one. I thought I had the Bryce vote, and then Jess comes in with Bruges at the yeah, end of his favorite man. game. She's good. She's good. Yeah. I feel good about that interview. It was really good to talk to her. Was I'm great. so yeah, happy that, that she fun. joined us. Very that was lucky. So much fun. All right. What do we got left, Chad? Oh, well, we've got a punch board previous play. So mm. over a year ago, we reviewed... Crystal Palace by Capstone Games and Karsten Lauber. Okay, so if I'm not mistaken, I think we all gave it fours across the board. That yeah. is correct. Definitely. Yeah. All right, so 
Well, Richie, let's start with you. What say you now? It's between a three and a four. Uh-oh. It's probably a low four. Here's the thing. I never bought the game. Okay. And I don't really have a, a real hankering to play it again. I really like the the worker, the dice worker placement. Uh-huh. Like, that's fantastic. Right. The luckiness of the cards is, I know, what I got hung up on before. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep it at a four. Okay. I'm going to keep it at a four. Just that randomness of the cards really uh-huh. hurt it for me. Uh, if there was some way where, you know, there were powers that let you dig through the discard to get those cards out, because mm-hmm. there's just times where a card would come out that you need it, and you just you could not get it that round, or right. you, you buy a card, and then, you know, later on, it just never comes out. Right. Yeah, if there was some way to mitigate that, I think, you know, this may have gone higher and I may have actually picked it up, but I'm okay. going to keep it at a four. I was thinking that too, maybe separate decks or something like that where you kind of can, can yeah. separate those decks out. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. But yeah, that's what's memorable for me is is making that tense decision before you even start of what you're paying for your dice and what you're mm-hmm. setting your dice to. Right. And then like hoping that people aren't going to screw you out of spots. Because after that point... There wasn't anything interesting to me as as you take your turn. Not that, not that it was boring, but it was just like that was so climactic to me. Mm. And then everything else was a little bit was a little bit less so. I have not played it since. I don't really have the desire to play it. But part of that is because it's best at its higher player count, which makes it go a little bit longer as well. So it's kind of like a trade off to me. So I, I'm just going to put it to a high three. It, there's nothing wrong with this game. It's just that for me, it's it's a, you know, if somebody sets it down on the table and they really want to play it, I'll say, okay. But I have no desire to to jump at it. Well, there are a lot of things I like about this game. Mm-hmm. I, as Chad said, I really love the decision-making of what are you going to set your dice to at the beginning of the round. And well, I really like how it actually gets a little tougher as the game goes on because your money, you know, mm-hmm. it gets a little more tight. I really like the fact that then once you have revealed your dice, there's a little bit of cat and mouse of, okay, well, if I go here, you know, Richie might go here. Oh, I might miss out on this spot. So do I have to go to this spot? I mean, nothing to the degree of like a Tricarion. Don't get me wrong here, but I still feel like there's some good tension there. I didn't, I don't think I have as much problems with the cards as maybe you guys did because they rotate so fast. I mean, it's just one of those things. I usually that round, I would look and say, oh, okay, that one seems good to me. And you could pick up the, uh, the inventions or the, uh, you know, whatever they, the, the prototypes, you know, you could just keep those for a couple of rounds. It's not like you had to do them that round. So you could work on it. Yeah. It was more um, the, the cards that matched up to matched each other. up or whatever. Yeah. Maybe they could have left that part out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. So you take that part out. You just you just fix the game for me. Club. I just fix the game, so we I'm just, just say, don't get worry a sharpie about those. And I'm gonna, <laughs> they're done. I'm just going to mark all. There you go. This is your copy, but I'm still going to do yeah. it. I'm just going to mark them all. Wait, that's our copy. So, <laughs> I you know, and I I like the the moving up the uh, the track of the the newspaper track or whatever the hype track. I think is what they called it. Um, I don't. know. I really do like this game, and like and Chad said, it does play better the more players, but I even think with the way they do the boards, like even three player is not bad. And I think playing a five player game, it actually moves along fairly good for a, a Euro game. I've probably played this maybe, you know, two or three times in the past year, which for me playing a Euro game cup two or three times in a year, that's not bad, you know? So that's true. I, I am, I'm actually going to move this to a five. Nice. I think this is a solid, good game. And I, you know, I'm not going to get rid of it. I really enjoy it. I would still, you know, put this out as a good, let's say we got a five player game. 
Uh, maybe not if I had Dan Smith in my group. But other than that, you know, I would say, hey, this is a decent five-player game. And, yeah, I, I, I think this is – and I'm pretty sure this was in my top ten of – Whatever year this was, yeah, it all blends together so. now. 2019, yes, I'm 2019. Say, yeah. yeah. So this was definitely in my top ten, which is part of the requisite of you know a five is is being mm-hmm. in the top ten for the year. Uh, you know, I can't say this is going to crack my top fifty of all time, but I think it's pretty close. Okay. So all right, yeah, I'm going to move nice. it to a five. I, I really think this is a solid game, and you know, especially for uh, you know a medium weight Euro type of player. I think this is a good one. Okay. Nice. Okay. What do the Punch Punch have to say about it, Chad? Well, Matthew S. says, Crystal Palace is a strong five for me. The core worker value price setting mechanism is great, and I love the aesthetics. The card art is good. The graphic design of the boards is magnificent. While the randomness of the card flop can be a bit annoying, especially in two to three player games, I think people who complain about the difficulty of matching inventions to investors are misunderstanding the game. That's supposed to be a potential small source of bonus points, not the core of your strategy. The other minor ding keeping it from sixhood is that asymmetric player boards are not quite balanced. Though again, that's not supposed to be the focus of one strategy. Joe Farrell said, I played it once and didn't feel any desire to play it again. It has a very haphazard look to it with its many boards strewn all about. And the gameplay felt similarly unfocused and somehow not as combative as I expected it to be. I could be talked into trying it again, as I didn't hate it, and it probably deserves at least one more play to see whether I was just having an off day or something. But for now, I've got to give it a two. And yeah, I, I, I remember that was one thing that I wish they had some type of game board instead of just all the different tiles laid no, out. I see why they did it, though. I, I yeah. know why, they, especially with the player different pounds. player counts. Yeah. But still, it just seems like you could do a two-sided board instead of having... All those out I there. But I think it's kind of a cool. I mean, it's a different. It's, it's you know, it is. Different. It does take a little bit of puzzle work. You know, it's almost like when I'm setting it up. It's almost a little bit of puzzle work. And we know how much you <laughs> love on. puzzles. Yeah. Come <laughs> on, come on, Joe Farrell. You can figure that out. You don't need a main board. Come on. Uh, okay, I've got Aaron Schmidtkins. He says I bought it on sale at my local board game store, and I had written it off as too mean for our playstyle, but I gave it a shot for the price. I have to say it was a pleasant surprise. It is a beautiful design game where all the parts come together and make for a very enjoyable whole. While I can see how the game could be highly interactive, it also allows for a less aggressive playstyle. It was quite good, and we are looking forward to more plays in the future. I'll give it a four. All right. There we go. So kind of well-rounded. The other there. comments in there are also pretty much positive as well. It looks like the Punch Punch really enjoyed this one. So. I, I kind of feel like, you know, this game is, you know, it's either could be for you or maybe not for you, but it's not, it's not, you know, a bad game. It's just, you know. Yeah, no, whether, it's great. And like I said, it, it I kept it at a four. Yeah. yeah. It just went down to, you know, high three. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think for a Euro game, like I said, I think the interaction is is higher than than a lot of games. I mean, and, it's, and honestly, uh, Ben uh, Coberly did say in here that he thought it was almost kind of overshadowed by Cooper Island, which I would almost agree because I think after because yeah. they kind of came out around the mm-hmm. same time and yeah, I'd I agree with that. I really enjoyed Cooper yeah. Island. That kind of I, I actually uh, taught Ben Coberly this game at uh, ATB Con way back in the day when we used to have cons. Oh yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, I do right. remember that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I thought this was a really well-rounded episode. I oh, think really, fun. if you if Amazing. you listen to this, you'd probably be like ten percent smarter. That ten percent's not coming from us. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, ten <laughs> percent from Jess. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's all Jess. Thank you so much for listening. Whether you're ten percent smarter or not. 
take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Hey, everybody have a great night. Thanks for listening. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Punchboarders. We are on Instagram at Punchboard Paradise and Facebook at Punchboard Paradise. Hey, Punch Punch, don't forget to get out there and vote. And I just want you to know that if you don't or we didn't get to be one of the 10, you got to go. We're done. We're quitting. You got to fight. We're done. We're quitting. No, you got to fight like hell for your board game geek. And you go down there and you tell Scott Alden. (laughs) This is is going off the rails. (laughs) I think this might be going at the end. Yeah. Uh,